You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And welcome back to the show. We are pleased to have our Governor's Council representative for this region, Tara Jacobs, with us um, for on the phone. Hello, Tara. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's our pleasure. And even though uh, I ask you every time, Bill asks you every time, <laughs> I think that what we have to do, it, there's such important work done by the Governor's Council, and yet so many people are not aware of what its mission is, how long it's been in existence, and what the heck you folks do, even though it has a profound impact on our lives and the communities throughout the Commonwealth. So what is the Governor's Council? I am happy to explain this probably forever, and um, little by little, I am actually going to groups where they know, so I'm making, an, making a dent over time. But the Governor's Council is probably the least well-known and maybe most important function of our state government in that we um, were created by the Constitution, so we hearken back the hundreds of years to the beginning of the origins of the state. And our role is to provide a check and balance on the governor um, for her nominees to various roles, largely around the judiciary. So the governor makes nominations for our courts, um, for judges, for clerk magistrates, to the parole board, um, to other roles that are uh, administrative in nature. And we, um, we will do the vetting and then weigh in. And if we vote no, that's the end of that nominee's uh, road and they can reapply, but um, our vote is final. Got it. So, give us an update. What's been keeping you busy in the governor's council? You know, it has been a very busy season. The governor has um, sent us nominees to uh, several to superior court for uh, associate justices, um, also several to probate and family court, including one local that we'll talk about. We had one local to Western Mass um, for Superior as well. Um, we've received several juvenile court justice uh, nominations. Um, and uh, and we've had some more pardons come through since last I talked to you. And I'm, I'm hearing there's more there's more coming through beyond that. And the, the clemency guidelines came out as well um, a few months ago, which uh, will be directing that work, the clemency work, uh, and if you haven't read them, you should. They really do an amazing job in articulating this governor's values around um, using clemency as a second chance and specifically looking to undo some of the bias in the system, so looking to really um, provide some justice for groups like historically um, racial bias groups and um, LGBTQ um, where there's been bias inherent in our judicial system, um, using clemency to do the work of trying to bring balance back. Well, let's talk about that, Councilor Tara Jacobs. What is clemency? So clemency is um, a term for the tools available um, to sort of uh, bring justice back to um, either through pardons, where people have served their time, but um, the conviction is still on their record and still impacting their life choices and their opportunities. Um, and so we have already done um, 13 pardons have come through from the governor already, which is really impressive. Most, most governors don't kick off with pardons. They maybe will have a flurry at the end of their administration, but this governor really values 
um, the tools of clemency, and so is out of the gate, immediately brought us pardons to governor's council. And then the other um, one that we talk about a lot is um, commutations, which is somebody is serving time and their sentence can be commuted, which is to shorten the length and, and uh, that are two separate um, tracks, and they both uh, originate with applications to um, the parole board has a second function that they do. They're called also an advisory board on pardons and commutations. And so they, uh, and I may have messed up exactly what that board is called, but um, but they serve both roles. And so they'll send a list to the governor of recommendations based on work they do uh, to evaluate these applicants on asking for pardons or asking for commutations. And then the governor will make her decision as to what to send forward to governor's council for consideration. So to be clear, a commutation deals with the length of the sentence and whether right. whether to shorten the length of the sentence or not, whereas a pardon really deals with either guilt or innocence or whether you're forgiven for having committed an act, you are pardoned um, uh, for the act itself, right? Right. The pardon basically is a clearing of the slate. So it doesn't even necessarily weigh in on um, whether you're guilty or not, It, but it removes the the stigma and the and the barriers created by that um, that conviction on your record. So, for instance, some of the pardons that have come through for us, um, there were, you know, there was one, for instance, when she was 18, she's now a 60-something-year-old woman. When she was 18, in the middle of her kerfuffle with her brother getting arrested, she threw a sneaker at a police officer, and so that was assault with a deadly weapon. Um, and that's been on her record ever since. And she had worked for 40 years at a um, kind of like a preschool, like a child development um, facility and, and was much valued there and, and really loved that work. And then they, get, they went for a federal grant. And because the federal grant looked into like background checks, they had to fire her. Um, and wanted to bring her back. They loved her, and she was wonderful, but that was preventing her from being able to continue to be employed there. Um, so th that's the nature of – so the impact of these convictions that are still on people's records can have, and by granting a pardon, it literally just scrubs the slate clean like it never happened so that she can continue to do her work. We are speaking with Governor's Council Counselor Tara Jacobs, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to ask about, well, we're here in Western Massachusetts. How can we be more involved? Why aren't there more hearings held right here in our region rather than in the eastern part of the state? We'll be right back. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Tara Jacobs, who is the governor's counselor for the 8th District. That is most of Western Massachusetts. If you are hearing this broadcast and are in Western Massachusetts, she is your governor's counselor. So I would like to ask a couple of things about what we've just been talking about. First, uh, you have been discussing pardons, and I would like to know what the governor's counsel role is with regard to uh, advising or uh, being involved in a pardon, which is in Massachusetts, as I understand it, a decision by the governor. 
Sure. Well, the governor, um, as, as I mentioned with the other roles that we're responsible uh, for weighing in on, we give advice and consent when the governor sends forward a pardon request. Um, the governor uh, suggests to us that she would like to make um, these pardons happen, and then our job is to um, do our own due diligence and then weigh in and either um, approve or not um, the pardon request. So we have the same advice and consent role for, for pardons and commutations. And, um, you know, typically we, we can each do how, approach it however we wish. I tend to call and talk to the applicants and get a sense of who they are and why they, you know, what the impact of the conviction is on their life and what the impact of a pardon would be on their life. And I have to say, it's very emotional work. Um, it's really, it's, uh, it, it's had a big impact on me just talking to these people and hearing about um, the consequences that they've they've suffered and, and um, what they've been doing with their life despite having this hanging over their head. Um, so I really enjoy, enjoy this work. And when the governor sends a recommendation for a pardon or a commutation to the governor's council for advice and consent, does that come with a bundle of information about the person from the governor's office or from an office that the governor works with? How does that work? It comes from the, like I mentioned, the parole board's um, second function as the advisory uh, board for clemency requests. So we, we do get a very extensive packet um, with their originating um, application requesting a pardon and then um, lots of details about the originating offense and um, background checks that have been conducted, interviews that have been conducted, letters of reference that come in from supportive um, people in their lives who are recommending they get the, the pardon um, and talk about what they've been doing with their lives since. Um, it, the longest one I've gotten is almost 200 pages worth of information, um, so it's pretty extensive. And we also get a pretty comprehensive report from the parole board um, based on the work they've done uh, that led to them sending the recommendation to the governor. I'd like to turn to another topic that is within the purview, an important part of the role of the governor's council, and that is to advise and consent with regard to the governor's nominations to the courts of the Commonwealth, including, importantly, the Supreme Judicial Court. The Supreme Judicial Court had been filled by uh, all, all of the seats had been, had been filled by Governor Charlie Baker. There now have been two vacancies, one of which I believe the governor's council has ruled on and one of which is pending. I think some of our listeners may not have heard about that. It's crucially important work. Tell us about it, please. It is. It's our um, most powerful court in the land. Um, can have a direct impact on um, on our communities and, and shift and, and evolve law. Um, and we were surprised to get the opportunity to be a part of SJC um, nominating process so early because um, both of the openings are um, early retirements. Um, the governor. Um, nominated, uh, her name is Bessie Dewar. She's the newest member of the SJC. We confirmed her um, her nomination early this month, and she has been officially sworn in, but her ceremonial swearing in is next week. Um, and uh, basically, they were just rushing to get him, her to work because um, Justice Cipher had retired and her, her seat was vacant. Um, Justice Lowy also uh, 
submitted an early retirement, and so we're expecting a nomination for his seat any day. Um, and uh, it's it's um, it's definitely a momentous uh, nomination. It has such an impact on our state, and um, and so it was. It was uh, it was definitely an interesting process. It was a different process than our normal process. Um, there's a different JNC that specifically does the work around SJC nominees. And um, as you would imagine, there's more attention for an SJC nominee. So uh, normally we hold our hearings in our governor's council chamber. This one was held in a much larger chamber to allow for the the public interest um, that comes along with it. And uh but but ultimately, we do our work in a similar way. So Tara Jacobs, counselor, uh, governor's counselor uh, for our 8th district here in Western Massachusetts, um, you are the incumbent. Do you intend to run again for uh, the office when it uh, comes up? Absolutely. It has been such an honor and um, such a wonderful experience doing this work for Western Massachusetts. And so I am definitely intending to... Um, papers come out next month so pull pull papers and run for this again it's a it's a daunting campaign it's 102 cities and towns across all four western mass um counties and a little bit of worcester county and and uh and as we've kicked off saying not many people have heard of governor's council so it's an interesting thing to run for but it's worth the effort because it's such a rewarding role and i am i'm loving the work and want to continue doing it um for for Western Mass in the state. I was um, very pleased uh, in early January, I think it was on the 8th of January, there was a, here at the uh, Superior Courtroom in Northampton at the old Superior Courthouse, there was actually a hearing held on a candidate for the Probate and Family Court uh, bench, and I'd love to hear, how did you manage to get that hearing to be moved from the eastern part of the state to a local hearing, and will we be seeing more of that? We, well, definitely. So I made a commitment when I was campaigning for this the first time that when I had local candidates from Western Mass, I would hold local hearings for them to bring that Boston State House process out here. Having said that, there is still a formal and official Governor's Council hearing at the State House. So on Monday the 8th, we held a local hearing. I held a local hearing for Bernadette Stark to probate and family court. And then on that Wednesday, I chaired her uh, a formal and official governor's council hearing at the state house, um, but I really I I think there's a lot of value in these local hearings for several reasons. One, um, just in in terms of transparency and understanding what the governor's council does and how we get our judges, but also um, I make sure to hold the hearing where it makes the most sense for that candidate. So. Um, for Bernadette Stark, she has practiced primarily in Hampshire County. Her base of colleagues largely um, is based in Northampton, although people came from other other plate clients of hers came from Belchertown and colleagues came from Hamden County. So she had uh, a wider net than that, but the the kind of the concentration of her experience was in Northampton. And so, you know, in terms of giving um, the community who know her an opportunity to weigh in and give testimony, 
um, that's why I chose to hold it in Northampton. Um, I held another local hearing for Superior Court nominee from Springfield in Springfield, where she had practiced her entire career. Um, but also, I think, you know, <laughs> both those experiences were just, you know, very well-attended local hearings with incredible love and enthusiasm um, and support for these nominees and a reflection on how pleased they were to see the representation that each of those nominees um, brought to the bench. In the case of um, Bernadette Stark, um, she's a, a Puerto Rican um, woman. Her, her parents, grandparents immigrated um, to the States when she was little and or before she was born. And um, she speaks fluent Spanish. She's a proud gay woman. So, um, the communities that she is representative of came an outpouring of enthusiasm and a, and a feeling that it's about time that they see someone like them on the bench and a feeling that it just here, brings here. more here. justice. Well, we're, we're running short of time. So I, I just where we started was you were giving us a little educational instruction about what in fact exactly the governor's council is and does and that you are going to be running again for the seat which you currently hold. So can you just tell us in the 25 seconds we have left how people can get in touch with you? Yes, please. My website is www.tarajacobs.com, and um, I am hopeful that people will come out and support and help me get my signatures or put lawn signs out, and at the very least, I'd love your vote, and, and you know, when you've learned about Governor's Council, tell your friends, because it's the best way to get the word out of what it is. And we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for